and and praying over tonight. Lord, thank you for your love and grace. Thank you for each person that's here. Pray for your wisdom to be made very, very clear to all of us. And thank you that you call us to carry out your will and to walk with you in grace and truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so this is the next paragraph in the text, James 4, 13 to 17. I want to read it, and then we're going to, we're going to try to settle up who these merchants, the merchant class people are. So this is what James says. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow, you will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. For you are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live here, we will live and also do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. For one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, for him it is sin. That's really interesting. So I don't know that you have ever um, noticed that definition of sin. Just a quick comment, but it's kind of interesting. Um, you know, sometimes we think, I remember uh, Tony, I grew up in a Southern Baptist tradition, you know, a long, long time ago when I was young. And sometimes the Southern Baptist believes that playing cards is a sin, you know. Dancing is a sin. Okay, or going to a movie is a sin. You know, I don't know if you guys have heard of those things in various traditions, you know. Um, well, sometimes it's good to ask the question, what is sin? Is it sinful to drink a beer? Is that sinful? Is it sinful to see an R-rated movie? Is it sinful to see a PG-13 movie? And go on and on with these, these kinds of questions. Look how James handles it. <laughs> he just simply says, look. The one who knows the right thing to do and doesn't do it, to him it's sin. I like that. Uh, it, it, it forces a very mature approach to human behavior as Christians. I like that. That's good. All right. Who are these tradesmen, these, these people? Um, somebody is saying, like it's a slogan or a catchphrase, hey, you know, hey, today, tomorrow, man, let's get out of here. I hear there's something going on in this city. might be an opportunity. Let's pack up our stuff. Let's head there, live there for a while. We'll buy, sell, trade, da-da-da-da-da. We'll make a lot of profit, and then we'll come home after about a year. Who's saying that? This merchant class. Who are these people? And James offers the corrective. Well, you don't know what's going to happen with your life, even tomorrow. And corrects this idea that, no, 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 no. That's not what you say. If you're a Christian, you don't say that. So here's my question. Who are the interpretation one is that the merchant class are Christians. Christians. They're insiders. Or they're Jews and they're outsiders. What do you guys think? Just If that's all you get. <laughs> if that's all you get. Could be Who are these people? Yeah. Could be all of the above. That's a good answer. Just say Jesus, right? Um, and then when you get to chapter 5, verse 1, it's that same phrase, aganun, Come now. It's almost like, really? Come on. Come on. Let's talk. Come on. Aganun. Come now. You rich people, weep and howl for your miseries, which are coming upon you. 
So it almost this language is like they're outsiders when he gets to chapter 5. You know, that's interesting. Your riches have rotted and your garments have become moth-eaten. Your gold and your silver have corroded and their corrosion will serve as a testimony against you and will consume your flesh like a fire. It is in the last days that you have stored up your treasure. This really, really condemning language toward the rich. I know it's kind of for rich saved. The rich unsaved? Outsiders? Yeah. So there's a lot of scholars that say they're outsiders. What do you guys think? You think it's plausible? Good answer. It's possible, yeah. What about verse 15? Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills. So at verse 15, here's the hard question. Is he talking to the same people? Is he going like this? Come on, you guys over here who say, hey, let's jump in the car, let's drive to Memphis, let's buy and sell and trade, make some profit, and they're going to pop over to... Nashville, do some stuff, let's go to St. Louis, let's make a circuit, make all this money, and let's come home with our profit. And then he turns to you guys, to the Christians, and says, now, but you don't be like them. You need to say, hey, if God wills, if, if it's the Lord's will, we'll do this. Does he shift in emphasis, or is he still talking to the same people? What do you think? Makes sense. Good. And you're saying, Chris, don't make my brain hurt. It's Wednesday. It's already been a, <laughs> a long week already. So, what do you think, Phyllis? Yeah. I think it's Christians. Okay. I was looking at the front and it said James to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. Yeah. Definitely targeting the, ins- the insiders, the Christian shirt. Anybody on that one? They think? Okay. So here's something that we need to know. Does it matter? Does the essential teaching change if it's an insider or an outsider? Okay. Core message is still really the same. Yep. Okay. So let's, let's work on this then. So just to introduce some things, it's interesting... You've heard of the Pax Romana, that's Latin Pax's peace, Roman peace. And when Augustus went into power, 27 BC, his line, he and the following Caesars, they established world peace. Tony, it was total world domination. And they set up road systems. They set up the military. They set up a mail system. And because the highways were established and they were actually kind of policed with military, it made trade flourish. So Persia could come in, Iran, the Persians could come in and trade. Stuff from the Orient, Egypt, uh, from the north, Syria. I mean, it was just amazing time during this period of Roman peace, okay, Pax Romana. And this is that very time, okay? So that language, hey, come on, let's go. Let's go here. We're going to go to this city and then that one. And we'll da 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 da. We'll buy and sell and trade. We'll make a profit. It'll be great. Live there for a while and we'll come home. Okay. That actually would be the kind of language that would be shared during this time because it was a great business opportunity. Um, the merchants were capitalizing simply on the economic opportunities. 
Uh, by the way, the, the, the Decapolis um, that you just read about, this is actually along the Transjordan, just on the east side of the Sea of Galilee. And, and Deca is Greek for ten, polis, city, the ten cities. Those are all the names. And so probably these guys are saying we're going to make a loop in those ten cities or target one city and really you know, try to make some profit. Um, do you guys know who storm chasers are? Roofers that are storm chasers? You know what those guys are? They got a truck, they got some tools, a couple of men, hardworking men. A tornado will blow through or a hail storm will blow through and they will do roof tear-offs and put down and they will work them. They will make a lot of money, but they're working so hard and then they're gone. They, they follow the storms, okay? You might kind of grab onto that modern idea. All right, um, so let's dig in here. So come now, uh, Aganun, I've already told you that. This is like, really, come on. Is this something that's going to be our thing? Are we going to say this? You know, come on now, business and profit. Um, and it's all cast in a very negative light. Yet you do not know what your life would be like tomorrow for you're just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. So I think James is quoting his big brother. I think James is quoting Jesus as what's going on. And I think he literally has Matthew 6 in mind. Um, for this reason, I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you put on. It's not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the sky, that they do not sow, nor reap, nor gather crops into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more important than they? And which of you, by worrying, can add a single day to his lifespan? And why are you worried about clothing? Notice how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor, nor do they spin thread for cloth. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field which is alive today, and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Oligopistia, little faith. Um, Jesus is saying life is short. It's transient. It's like a flower. It blooms. It's beautiful for a little while. It fades. It's done. It becomes fuel for a fire. Um, 6.34 said, so do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day is enough trouble of its own. Okay. So, hmm. Trusting God. His will. Okay. Do you all know what Calvinism is? Do you know what predestination is? You do? Okay. Anybody know what Felicia predestination Okay, so if, if I'm, when I take the Lord's Supper, if I, if I drop my cup and I spill it, did God foreordain that before the foundations of the world and he knew that was going to happen and he ordered that to happen? Or, <laughs> or is it, you know, God says, look, I, I'm, I, I built a place. It's all yours. Enjoy. Um, you know, y'all do your thing. I'm going to be there. I'm going to walk with you through your junk, but I am not going to turn you into a bunch of robots. I'm not going to do that. You know, which one is it? So in theological terms, it's Calvinism, predestination, hyper-Calvinism, 
everything's foreordained and you better get in line. And then Arminianism, uh, we make choices. You know, that kind of thing. So this is, this is involved in this stuff in the will of God. Look at this next verse here. So instead of saying, hey, I got an idea. I hear that, that this kind of cloth is really turning a prophet up in Damascus. Come on, let's go. Get everything you got. Buy everything you have. Load the, the wagons. We are headed to Damascus. We're going to make five times a profit. It's going to be awesome. Let's go. And instead of that, we insiders, now we're shifting to the insiders for sure. We ought to say, hey, and if the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or that. Okay. If the Lord wills. Yeah. Does that sound irresponsible? Does it sound cheesy? What do you think? Is it simplistic, childish? So, so here's Galen and Tammy. They're going to go out on this amazing date. And Galen's cleared the schedule. He's already got flowers. It's going to be a beautiful day. And, and Galen says, where do you want to eat? I, I, want, to, I want to treat you. you. You've been working. What do you want to eat? And Tammy goes, oh, whatever the Lord wills. It's fine. Whatever the Lord's will. Yeah. Just, you know. And Galen goes, It, 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 it's not, they, this isn't that spiritual. This is like, I'm trying to treat you to dinner. Oh, no, 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 I, I don't have a will. It's only God's will. It's whatever the Lord wills. Whatever you picked here is fine with me. Is that what she should say? Or she should say, you better get me the Longhorn Steakhouse, and if you don't, there's going to be trouble. You know. What do you do? How do you handle this stuff? Okay? So, this is interesting. Uh, it, by the way, it, it's, Aeon ha kurios the lacey. If the Lord wills. What if we memorize that? Hmm. If the Lord wills. And if we're making, now obviously it's silly to think about what restaurant to, do you want to go to? And you'd say, oh, if the Lord wills. I was getting kind of silly, but what if, um, what if it's something that's really serious? Like, hey, I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about selling my Hummer and getting the really the fully electric Hummer that'd be really really nice and and uh, but I just want to pray through it to make sure it's God's will <laughs> you know is that okay or or I'm not sure if I should move or I, what I should do or should I marry this person should I not marry them there's some decisions that are really really heavy what if we had as a default in our head you know hey Lord just your will is the main thing in my life. Would something be different about us? So how important is that phrase? An aphorism, by the way, means a wise statement, a wisdom statement. That, hey, the Lord wills. What are you going to do today? Uh, I don't know. Let's, let's pray about it. Let's just see what the Lord's got for us today. That kind of an attitude is pretty amazing, right? Well, it looks something like this. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but the one who does the will of my Father. Do you think doing the will of God is pretty important? Yeah. Entrance into heaven kind of is involved here. We better take the will of God seriously, right? How about this one? Matthew 12. Extending his hand toward his disciples, he said, Behold, my mother and brothers, whoever does the will of my Father, they're my family. They're my surrogate family. Uh, fictive kingship. What about this one? Um, 
Matthew 18. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, will he not leave the 99 in the mountains and go and search for the one that is lost? And if, he tur- and if it turns out that he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it more uh, than the 99 who did not go astray. So it is not the will of your father who is in heaven for one of these little ones to perish. Wow. The will of God is very, very serious. Okay? How about this, John 6, 40? This is the will of God, the will of my Father, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in Him will have eternal life. And I myself will raise Him up on that last day. Wow, the will of God. How about First Thess 4, 3? For this is the will of God, your sanctification. That is that you abstain from sexual immorality. God's will is serious. Serious stuff. All right. But as it is, you boast. The ones who are not saying the Lord's will be done, they're saying our will be done. James says this is, it's evil. It's an evil kind of thing. So the the word boast uh, is, have you ever heard of the phrase a cacophony? A lot of voices, a lot of yeah, yeah, and a lot of yelling. Like at a football game, you know, you go to the, the football game, game of the greatest NFL team of all time, which, of course, is the Patriots. We all know that. And the Patriots are playing this team, Dallas Cowboys. Who, what is a Dallas Cowboy anyway? And so in their stands, and they're yelling, and they're bragging, we're better than you are. The trash talk, the cacophony, all the, that's what this is. That's what the word means. Okay, they're just bragging. It means to brag. Pretty much just straight up means to brag. And he says, that's arrogant. Bragging like that is arrogant. That you've got it all mapped out. And you're going to buy all this, all this fabric up and head up to Damascus and make five times what you pay for. It's pretty arrogant. But you have no idea what's going to happen on the way. You have no idea. Be careful with this arrogant attitude that you've got your life in control. And then he uses a really strong word, and he says, that kind of spirit, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and I got it all mapped out. Boom. That kind of attitude, he says, is actually evil. Paneros, evil. Yeah, in fact, that's the word that's used to describe Satan and the work of Satan. So it's really a strong term. So here we go again. You know, the authoritative word of God. If we're going to... We're going to take scripture seriously in this whole idea of the will of God. Being dismissive, please hear me well, being dismissive of the heart attitude. Hey, God, what's your will for me today? What's you got for me today? Daddy, I just want to please you today. What's your will for me today? Being dismissive of that, James would say, is evil. It's of Satan. It's not of my father. Instead, we should say, good morning, Lord. Hey, I love you. I give my life to you. How can I serve you today? What's your will for me today? That's the hard attitude that James says we should have. Uh, and then I love the way he ties it off. For the one who knows the right thing to do and you don't do it, that's sin. And hamartia is sin. And that's the, really the common word for sin that you're going to see throughout the New Testament. All right, let's, let's look at how we're going to apply this. Uh, there it is again, the full paragraph. In English, um, I'd, I'd say this. What do you guys think of these three texts? He told us, when you pray, pray. 
Our Father's in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. So Jesus is telling us to pray that God's will be done. Okay? Um, and then look at Luke 22. He withdrew from them about a stone's throw, knelt down, began to pray, saying, Father, if you're willing, the lame if you're willing, remove the cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Ah, that's the heart attitude. There it is. Where we get our hands off the steering wheel like we're in control, right? And we get it all figured out. We give up our desperate need for control. And we say, Jesus, I need you to take over. Okay. Your will be done. This is what I want. But you override what I want. You'll be done. So, arrogant and evil, the arrogant and evil thing is a disregard for the will of God uh, to accomplish the will of ourselves is what we're dealing with. Make sense? Okay, now here's what I don't want us to, to, to miss, all right? Three perspectives, a little bit of philosophy here. So, um, and I'm sorry that that's, I'll, I'll make sure not to do that color because it's hard to read. So, mindless submission. Mindless submission to the will of God. Is that good? Mindless submission. Is that good? Debbie, what do you think? More like a robot? Yeah. Um, yeah. Or a puppet on strings? Yeah, marionette, little puppet thing. Is that good? Why? Because you can make us like a robot sometimes. Okay. Okay. Good. Good, Debbie? Okay, Debbie. Yeah. Some kind of mind there. Yeah. When, when God created the, the garden, was the garden perfect? Was it a perfect environment? Sure. Okay, and he places Adam and Eve in the garden. Did he make them mindless robots? He gave them something, a very dangerous choice. Interesting. So I don't think that's a tenable position, uh, Galen, about any business matter. How about this one? Humanistic self-actualization. How's that fancy lingo? What's humanistic? It means what? It's of us and not of God. What's self-actualization? It's all about you. <laughs> it's all about you reaching the pinnacle of who you are. All right? I think both extremes are really, really dangerous. That I, I lose my mind and I'm robotic. I'm just a puppet. I think that is not good. The other extreme is, who needs God? I got this. I got my life, you know. Uh, I think this is where we need to be. That leading of the Holy Spirit, counsel of Scripture, counsel of the church, skill planning, all in pursuit of God's will. I think that's really where it's at. That, Galen, I know you'd appreciate this. Luke 14, 28, Jesus is teaching and he says, which one of you would start to build a tower and not count the cost first? to see if you could finish it. We need to get our, 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 our stuff together and know can we afford that purchase? Can we afford to build that tower? Because Jesus said, why would you do that? Why would you start something that you can't finish? So Jesus is not dishonoring planning. He's not dishonoring skilled business minds and business process. What he's dishonoring it's this, added, this cavalier attitude that I know more about life than God does. 
That's what he's going after. Um, in fact, when you read Romans, you read Acts, you read 1 Corinthians, it's clear Paul is a forward-thinking, planning kind of guy. Paul doesn't go out there and someone says, hey, Paul, what are you going to do? I have no idea. <laughs> I'll just wait till God says something. you know. And then he kind of floats around in some mindless kind of numb way. Paul does not do that. He has got a plan. We're going to this city, this city. Oh, by the way, Timothy, I'm dispatching on you ahead to Ephesus. I'll be there maybe six months. I'll see you there in six months. He has got it all planned out. He's putting his men ahead of him. So God honors planning. That's good. Okay. Um, all right. There you go. Going to turn it over to you. You're the church. How do we pull this out of the first century world into our world today? How do we make sense of this so that we are people who have this default setting of, Lord, you know what? Not my will, but yours be done. What do you think? What does this have to do with us? He wants us to, to live that and not just say it. Yeah. For it not just to be a phrase, oh, if the Lord's willing. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Fun. Somebody else? How do we pull it into our world? I'm kind of thinking that today's world, what you got to remember is when you do your day-to-day -day business, and those guys are obviously... We weren't there talking in a way that made James say that. But there's nothing wrong with getting in your truck and going where the tornado to do your making. Nothing wrong with it. You have to make a living. But if you do it for yourself without God in your life, then that's the boasting. I, I don't need God. I do it. I make my life. Yeah. If you do yeah. business, you make a living, whatever you got to do. Like the, the athlete gets on and says, first of all, I give all credit to God for my success. Right. That's giving homage to God. It's God's will. He wants you to be in abundance. He wants you to yeah. have a great life. That is his will. I think he wants us to be responsible with our money. Uh, earn it. Manage it. Mm -hmm. Earn a profit. Yeah. But you're not alone in boasting that yeah. you don't not need Not at him. all. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I see exactly what he's saying right here. But I'm going to use it just to make myself look good before people. Okay. And... But am I really gonna live that what what he says right here? Is that boasting or is something else? I'm, 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 I'm gonna do this just to make myself look good and to make people speak highly of me. Like I just I'm just really into the word, I'm just doing this. But am I really gonna live this? Is is that boasting? I don't know. You know what? Uh thank you, Tony. When you read Matthew six, Jesus says, Be careful. When you pray so that people can hear you and you pray these big fancy prayers, be careful with that. Or when you give your money, you know, like, hey, everybody, watch me. I'm, I'm going to the offering plate. He said, don't do that. When you pray, go to your closet, pray in secret. 
When you give, give in secret so that the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. So heart motive is everything here. And you're right. And Tony, we as Christians can be as braggadocious and full of pride as the lost dude who just wants to make as much money as he can before he dies. Both, absolutely, you can have horrible attitudes from both positions. It's that humble attitude that Jesus modeled in Gethsemane. Lord, it's like he's saying, I don't want to go to the cross. I don't want, I know what's coming and I don't want it. Please let the cup pass for me. But then he defaults to, not my will, yours be done. And that's what we're looking for. But Tony, to live that out, it's hard. It's hard, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah. Someone else, how do we pull it into our world? What do you think? Yes, Felicia, you nailed it. I've done lots and lots of mission work, you know, especially in my younger man days. And every time you know, I get into Argentina, El Salvador, wherever I was going, the local missionaries I was helping, I'd say, hey, what, what you got planned for us? Want to hit it hard? Come on, man, let's go. And he'd say, no, no. The one thing I want you to concentrate on is flexibility. They all said the same thing, you know, and I love that. It's like, Chris, no, this is not going to be a controlled, methodical week where we start at 8 a.m., we tie it off at 4.30, we drive and get dinner, you know. No, that's not how it works here on Argentina time or in Guatemala. Everything's like an hour and a half late, you know, in Guatemala. So he said, dude, you better be flexible. This is the Lord's will and you can't force it. I've never forgotten that, Felicia. Yeah, we can make plans, you know, and then God can hijack them, huh? Yeah, I know it. Oh, okay, Felicia, you're honest. Why is control so important? Why? What is it about control? There's something safe about predictability. There's something safe about predictability. Exactly. You're human. Absolutely. So, anybody else about how we live this out? What do you think? Hmm. Absolutely, Tony, you nailed it. Yeah. Okay. How hard is it? How hard is it for for us tomorrow, starting tomorrow morning, when the alarm goes off, you pick up your iPhone and you do not hit snooze because you're such a godly, disciplined person, and you're looking at your alarm or something, and your prayer is, "Abba, Father, here I am." I want to serve you today. I want to do my best. You will be done in my life. And then when your feet hit the ground, you start your day. How hard is that? Is it really difficult? Is it like, oh, it's such a hard thing to do. Oh, not that. Come on, Tony's right. It's a hard attitude. It's practice. What if, what if you never do that? What if you never, write, never, because you're so busy? You never get around to saying, hey, Lord, your will be done, not mine. Lord, I, your, your kingdom come, your will be done. 
What if you never get around to even thinking it or saying it? Dude, yeah, Tony, we got a problem, right? That core heart attitude. So here's a truism. You will throw your money, your time, your emotion, you'll throw your effort into what's most important to you. We just do it. We do that. What's most important, we throw ourselves into. And if you never get around, if I never get around to the idea, Lord, what you got for me today? Who am I going to meet? You know, Felicia, you're at the clinic. You know, you've you got patients coming in all day. And who are you going to meet that needs Felicia to smile? And how God might use that? You don't know. But to start off, Lord, hey, use me today. Um, I think it's a big deal. You guys followed the Babylon Bee? Did you see the one that says, Tony, you'll love this. So this guy decides, this Christian, decides to really show his faith by putting that little Christian fish decal on his car and could care less about his work ethic at, at his job. <laughs> yeah. In other words, if you really want the will of God to be done as an employee, get in there and do your job and do it really well. You know, Galen, you, you know, you know, You've got employees, those that really always go above and beyond. And then you've got the others that are doing as little as possible. And for the guy doing as little as possible with a Christian sticker on his car, mm, if you really want to do the will of God and be the light of the world, try putting in a full day's work and just see how that goes, you know, so. Yeah. All right, you ready? What's the relationship between verse 17 and verse 15. The hard attitude, you know, hey, Lord's will be done. And whatever, you know the right thing to do. And you don't do it. You just said it. <laughs> Not hard, is it? Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's get, let's get technical for a second. What is the sin of omission? A sin of omission. <laughs> You're smiling, please. What is it? Oops. Man, I didn't mean to do that one. Oops. You know. What's the sin of commission? What's that one? It's deliberate. It's full on deliberate. Yep. I heard someone say a mistake can happen only once. The second time he did it on purpose. Yeah, yeah. You miss the speed change. It went from 55 down to 35, and you miss it. Yeah. 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 Now, in a crowd of this size, surely no one has deliberately, intentionally, knowingly 
done the wrong thing. Surely not. Surely not. <laughs> Thank you, Tony. We all have two, brother. <laughs> we all have two. And, and there's the rub. There's the rub. Whose will is being done? There's the rub. So, all right. Anybody else? How we live this out today? I'm sorry, Galen. You're caught in the middle there. So. We were talking about Tammy Speaks. Anybody? If the Lord wills it, if the Lord wills it. Even if it sounds absurd. Hmm? Even if it sounds absurd. Even if it sounds absurd, yeah. 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 So I'm not sure um, how you guys travel, but like we've got family in Nashville and people go like, oh, I can get to Nashville in six hours. They go, no, you can't. Not without breaking the law. <laughs> and so, because when I go, it's always two to three hours more than what people say it should be. So, you know, so let's say me and Lisa got to go see a family in Nashville. What if we said, hey, you know what? Or when are you going to get there? Ah, uh, two, probably about two. What if I said, hey, you know, if the Lord wills it, we'll get there by two. If we get there by one, great. If we get there by four, we're fine. We just want to be safe. Yeah, the Lord wills it. We'll, we'll get there. We'll get there when we get there. You know, God's will be done with that. There's just something. There's just something that helps you go. Let's relax. Can we relax? Can we enjoy the ride and not make controlled and type A mindsets kind of ruin things? Let's just relax. Let's just get there. Be safe. Lord's will be done. Keep us safe. You know, there's something about that heart attitude. So, okay. Um, so Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 11. He says, what I received from the Lord, I deliver to you. That in the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Take it, eat in like manner, after supper, he took the cup also and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Drink from it, all of you. For as long as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. I want to pray for you and then when you're ready, take the Lord's Supper. Abba, Father, uh, Lord, forgive us for making our will way more of the focus of our lives than you teach us to just write that little thing down in our heart that if you will it if it's what you want give us that hard attitude of Jesus not our will but your will thank you so much for the way you give grace and we can come to you we're weary we're laden down with, with stuff we're burdened we're so tired Help us to take your yoke and put it on our shoulders and learn from you because the way you do it, it's, it's not that heavy. It's, it's an easy burden. It's light. Teach us to relax and let go. 
and follow your will in all these things. Abba Father, thank you for your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen.